Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God takes your soul, you're on your own. The crow flies straight. Welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, August 3rd. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564 or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino or follow us on Twitter at Weigh In Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host, Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, for the intro, and welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. We are in August, just like she said, August 3rd, which means that College football just right around the corner. The end of August launches college football. Right now tonight, the Hall of Fame game's on between the Giants and Buffalo. I mean, not a great game out there, but let me tell you, it's football. That's all that really matters. Uh, We'll be joined tonight with my co-host, Trey. When you get ready, Trey, press number one on your telephone, and I'll know you're ready to come in, and we'll bring you in there. Tonight, we're going to talk a lot of football, of course, and I hope everybody calls in. The call-in number is 646-716-5564. I want to talk about two teams. I want to talk a little bit of Notre Dame with Trey, get his thoughts, and, and another team, the Ole Miss Rebels. Just not break them down thoroughly, but just talk about them and see what we're looking for. A lot of teams have them highly ranked this year, and I just want Trey's thoughts. You're going to hear mine, and we want yours as well, but – Thank God football is here, and give everybody an update on DirecTV with the SEC Network. A, a deal has been agreed upon. It should be coming out this week. So all the people out there wanting to see the SEC Network that has DirecTV, guess what? You're going to get to watch it probably 99.9% sure. So ready, good news for that. And, Trey, I uh, hope you've had a great week. I want to start out really and talk about Paul George of the Indiana Pacers playing in the Olympics, I mean, this could be a career-ending injury, Trey. And I just want your thoughts on this injury. And also, what do you think about these players playing in the Olympics and playing with the USA team? Well, I mean, yeah, this World Cup of Basketball they have going on, the WBC or whatever it is, CB, um, it's certainly, you know, Mark Cuban has come out very uh, critical of what they, of how they do things. I think there has to be some changes. I think there needs to be changes for some of these guys. Uh, Paul George, basically, if, you, if you're unfamiliar with what happened, I mean, basically this is the Kevin Ware type of scenario where um, he basically, you know, broke his leg pretty nastily um, on a rebound or a block. So uh, pretty nasty injury. Hope he recovers well, Tarvin. He's a guy I like to watch. Yeah, and Rose also for Chicago there was on the court. I believe he saw that coming back from an injury. Um to see that happen right in front of you. It's mental, and, and I just hope he can come back and, and play. But this guy, you got to look at the timing. He just came out of a long season. If you don't know, the NBA is over 80 games. You have the playoffs. Those go months. Indiana made a deep run into the playoffs, and really not enough time off to really heal up from that, that long of a season. So maybe this thing happened too quick. But, yeah, if I'm I'm an NBA owner out there seeing this, Trey, I think we're going to start seeing these players pull back a little bit, especially your top-tier players. You'll see some more maybe second- and third-tier players coming in, taking their place. Yeah, I, I think you're – I think that's 
it's going to make a lot of guys second guess for sure. Well, the Hall of Fame game's on tonight. The Giants and the Bills, two teams trade that, that honestly I have finishing dead last in their division, Buffalo in the AFC East, the Giants in the NFC least, Trey. Um, do you agree with that statement? Do you see the Giants and Bills finishing dead last? I think it's possible. The Giants are one of those teams that I don't really know what they're going to do this year yet. They kind of are an enigma because uh, they kind of come off good seasons and have bad seasons, and they come off seasons like last year, uh, and they seem to have a better year than the next year. So, um you know, actually the preseason will help you out a little bit on there, just on some of the guys who are playing. But uh, I, I think the Bills are probably going to be the last in their division. I think that's pretty easy, with the, especially with the injuries and uh, on the defense already. Now you look at the AFC East, Jeff, in New England, Miami, and the Jets, all three of those teams should be higher. And you look at the NFC East, Dallas, that's questionable. Anytime they're they're in a division, you never know. But you see Washington and Philadelphia. Philadelphia should be better this year. So we will see. And, and Trey, I don't know if you heard, but big news out of Auburn, the, the announcement Nick Marshall, Jonathan Mincy will not start week one against Arkansas. Uh, people forget Jonathan Mincy was arrested for marijuana possession. Uh, Marshall was cited a ticket, and he actually paid it. So, Trey, I know people – I heard some Auburn fans talking about, see, Malzahn suspended them. But when you say you'll not start a game, that could be the first snap. That could be the first series. What do you take out of this suspension? Uh, honestly, not a whole lot. It's more of a leadership issue than it was a, a suspension issue. Clearly, it's uh, not something that is uh, – he's going to miss the game. It's gonna, he could miss just the snap. I mean, you're right. This is just Malzahn saying, hey – this is a leadership issue. Definitely a leadership issue, and the good thing about it, these guys haven't been in trouble before um, with Auburn. Well, so hold on now. They, hold they've on. Been, Marshall's been in trouble before, buddy. I said with Auburn. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, you got to let me – he was caught being the lookout guy for a, a couple of teammates that were stealing out of people's locker. Uh People do make mistakes, Trey, but not at Auburn. He hasn't. He's been an upstanding citizen, like Malzahn said. But you know what? I, I look at it like you have to look at the whole body of work when you're looking at a player and seeing what he went through in Georgia, seeing him come to Auburn. It's really a, a very short leash when it comes to stuff like that, if I'm taking especially a quarterback. So what, what's a citation in some people's eyes could be a lot bigger issue if I'm a coach. So that's where I look at leadership. I'm not, I'm not happy to see two seniors uh, set an example like that. I'm also not happy seeing Gus Malzahn kind of slap him on the wrist a little bit either. With seniors, you want to be tougher. You want to set an example for all the underclassmen. And we'll see, we'll see how this works out, Trey. I'm interested to see how the team responds to this because – you know, you see other players get get kicked off the team, and this brings me to my next subject. Uh, Beckham or Green Beckham out of Missouri, he got kicked off the team. Doral Green Beckham going to Oklahoma, so he transferred there. Oklahoma seems very confident, Trey, that he's going to be eligible immediately to play, which I think that's bad. I mean, the guy gets kicked off the team; he should not be allowed to play for another school until setting out a year. Do you think he's going to be able to play this year? Well, I, I don't know, but the issue actually is pretty um, 
interesting because it actually deals with the fact that he was never charged with anything, uh, never cited, never charged, uh, never anything. And so, you know, whether you can, and I guess, sort of gets into the player rights uh, entire argument, it's not quite as clean and simple as we would like it to be, perhaps, because you get into uh, can schools kick off players without any charges and, and then have to sit out a year? Um, and Green Beckham is kind of, you know, you make that argument um, to not let him play. Uh, but, uh, it's, you know, it kind of has waves throughout other situations. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, Missouri, you got to think, you, you have to use common sense in this. They would not have kicked him off the team and that's not been going on, but you're right. I mean, he was never arrested never charged with anything, so that's an interesting thing. I, I just think if you get kicked off a team regardless, if it's for conduct, not just say we don't want you anymore, uh, you've been a good guy, time to go, but you do something detrimental to a team or do something you should not be able to play right away, you should sit out a year. And I think at the end of the day, he's going to be sitting out a year, Trey. Well, I mean, with the NCAA sort of in a back backpedaling situation, I think he's going to play uh, just because there hasn't been any disciplinary issues uh, when you come to arrest or anything like that. The NCAA is fighting a war on a lot of fronts right now, and this is just not one of the ones that they're going to be able to handle. I think he'll end up playing. I mean, um, you know, I'll make what you will of it, but I think this is one of those fights the NCAA isn't going to win right now because they're not willing to make this fight. We'll see. Uh but, but Bob Stoops allowing him to come in and, and play just shows all Bob Stoops cares about is winning, which is what all, all other schools care about as well. So I'm not going to sit here and judge Bob Stoops, even though I think he's a he's a joke, you know, in ways, the way he does things, the way he runs his mouth. But, hey, you know, he's taking another player from a school they don't want to, to try to get better. You look at Beckham, I mean, he's, he's huge. I mean, he's a huge receiver, and he's going to help any team he's on on the field. What is he going to do off the field? That's the question. But some injury news out of Georgia, some big news, Trey, a depleted defense already. We talked about all the losses, suspensions, transfers. Uh, Malcolm Mitchell, uh, he's going to be out, man. He suffered a right knee injury, probably going to be out possibly the year. And there's also another receiver I'm trying to see. He's going to be out possibly for the year. There's no timetable. Trey, two big receivers for Georgia. It's kind of looking like last year where they went through, had this injury bug and missed a lot of players and lost a lot of games. And now with the suspensions, off-field issues, the transfers and this, are you feeling more confident about Georgia? <laughs> more, more confident uh, and my <laughs> confidence they're not going to win the East, I guess. So I've, I've heard, even as far as Thursday, I've heard experts say Georgia's going to win the East and win the SEC and represent the SEC in the four-team playoff. I don't even know if they finish in the top three in the East, Trey. I mean, before all this injury news came out, new coach on defense, lost a ton, new quarterback. And I, I hate for people to sit here and act like Aaron Murray wasn't a huge loss for this team. Aaron Murray was the best quarterback in the conference last year, four-year starter. Hard to replace that with Hudson Mason. Good kid there, but to replace him and, and to not miss a beat, it's not going to happen. Trey Clemson comes early to Georgia. Uh, how, how are you feeling about that game? Give me just a, a, a month out almost preview of what you think is going to happen. Give me your, your projections. 
Well, I mean, Tarvin, I think that we're going to see a very sloppy game uh, in the first game. I think both teams are going to be struggling uh, in, a, in, a, in a lot of ways uh, because they're both, um, you know, start, new starting quarterbacks. Uh, you have a lot of misplaced guys or, or guys that are going to miss uh, on that field. And so I, just, I think it's going to be a struggle for both teams. I think it's going to be a sloppier game. Um, but it's going to be one of those games I think Clemson's going to pull out. Um, but you know, I think Clemson's going to be a team this year um, that's going to have some offensive turnover problems. Yeah, I mean, look, it wouldn't surprise me if Clemson beats Georgia with everything that's going on, but this Georgia team could easily be 0-2 out of the gate, which if that happens, it's just I know it's Clemson's not a conference game, but in the nation's eyes, they start out 0-2 again. I think they're going to be written off by the committee unless they just went out and go on a run trade, which I don't think is going to be possible. The Georgia Bulldogs will not win the East. We're just going to put that out there for everyone that's out there listening to ESPN talk about it. It's not going to happen. You heard it here first, I guess I could say. But Mark Rigg came out in the media tray and said that Georgia didn't have a discipline problem, really, you know. And my comment to that was Georgia has a Mark Rick problem. And <laughs> looking at everything that's happened in the Georgia trade, it's, it's, there's a big problem going on in Athens. And without Mark Rick being removed from that position, I just don't see it getting any better. Sorry, I was on mute there. I was, okay. I was on mute there, buddy. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things about you and I and Rick, I mean, I don't know. I really don't know who they would get. They could turn the program around. I mean, Rick has kicked off more guys in the in the past three years than I think any other program. Although Texas is quickly making its way up that that chart, uh, so I don't think you can say it's Rick. I mean, he he, he has uh, littered the rest of the SEC with players from Georgia who he's kicked off his team. So, I mean, he's been a guy who has stood for discipline. Uh, the problem is is, is is it whether he's recruiting them and he's having a bad evaluation for recruiting, and I think you can make that argument. Uh, but I don't think the argument can be made that Mark Rick isn't a disciplinarian. He's kicked off a lot of guys. Well, the, the thing I look at is, like, when you work for someone, you, you, you're a coach in the past, you know if they're hard or soft. And, and it's not just, well, I'm going to kick you off the team. It's, it's, it's the respect you have for an individual. When you go play for someone that you respect, you're not going to do all this. And I think it's recruiting. I think it's he's not going deep into the background of these kids, but also I think they come in and, and it's really just they don't have any respect for him. And it's too late. Once they break the rules and you kick them off, well, they they get it together. They go play for someone they do respect. And I think that's why a lot of Georgia people have a lot of hate for other teams is because these coaches actually understand sometimes how to coach them. And I think, you know, and they, they, they hate them because they left Georgia. Now they're very successful. And, and Trey, I think Mark Rick needs to do a better job of of earning that respect from these players before they come in. These are kids. You have to do more than just show up. You have to set an example for them. These players are scared of saving. I mean, you look at that. Even, even though they do get in trouble, there's kids that get in trouble. These players at one time did fear saving. Do I think it's it's going away a little bit, Trey? I do. I think I think you know you hear the same coach saying the same things over and over again. Maybe saving could be you know, losing a little control in Tuscaloosa. Well, Tarvin, I, I don't think it has a fear. I mean, fear is only one way to coach. Uh, there's a lot of guys who are pretty successful without fear. I don't think Malzahn is feared on Auburn, and he's pretty successful. 
Um, here's the thing, too, I think, and you discount this a little bit. When guys get kicked off a team and they realize they only have a single shot left, then and as they mature as well, because the guy who gets kicked off, say, Georgia, uh, and goes to LSU or Auburn or Alabama to play, uh, they're now usually two years older by the time they really get involved in that program. So, I mean, you got maturity. You get the fact that they're in down to one shot left. I mean, that, that all makes a difference uh, for some of these guys. And some of these guys, it doesn't. I mean, you see a lot of these guys who get kicked off teams, Tarvin, who don't come back. Um, and so it just it really depends on the situation and the player. I mean, heck, I mean, there's been guys who go into JUCO and we've never seen again. Well, I just think coaches sometimes, and I'm going to look at Mark Rick. I mean, you can punish a kid without just kicking them out of a school somewhere, you know, just depending on what they did. Now, if they beat someone to death or they, they hit a woman or something, get rid of them. But smoking some weed or something, I don't think the reason. Maybe you work with that kid, you you try to work with him, you suspend him, but you, you keep him on that team. Therefore, you know, you're you're not giving up on the kid. That's the hard part of coaching is trying to, to reform a child, I think, a kid to, to become a man. And I think that's where Mark Rick fails. Even though he's a missionary, he's out there in the missions field and something, I just don't think he puts enough energy and effort into rehabilitating some of these kids. He gets rid of them, and next, let's let's keep moving on. Georgia's a hotbed for recruiting. And and I just wanted to, to, to throw that out there, really, Trey, and, and, and hear your thoughts on it. But give me your thoughts right now about what you think about this college football season coming up is that are you starting to I know it hasn't been real to you so far yet but now it's August 3rd you see the Hall of Fame game on are you starting to smell it in the air oh yeah I think it's getting close I mean we're down mere you know less than 30 calendar days to Florida State's kickoff game I'm ready for it um, you know now is the time where you can kind of start pulling out of uh, some of the disciplinary issues, you know, this is July. We're out of July. Uh, guys still get, you know, get busted up in August. But, you know, for instance, the Knowles are off Twitter. Uh, Jimbo Fisher's anti-social you know, media rules in effect. So generally, you know, camps start and guys don't get in trouble uh, because they're more regulated. So, you know, we're almost out of the time before the season, Tarvin, where we all start, uh, you know, start focusing on the games that are coming up versus our guys who might get in trouble. I heard Publix in Tallahassee is going to start shutting down before practice. Have you heard that? Yeah, I heard they're uh, giving out free weed and Nick Marshall's transferring. So you can't, you can't ever look at your own team. You always have to come back with another one. But uh, I didn't get your thoughts on this. I think it was Wednesday we talked about it. Winston and Casher, it came out. I don't know why it wasn't reported before, but they were held at gunpoint by a police officer and forced to get on the ground and then did about 4,000 destruction after that in an apartment complex. My question to you, buddy, is, is why was this never mentioned before until now, do you think? Well, I mean, this incident has been known. Uh, the whole uh, police the on the ground thing, uh, we knew there was an investigation. That's certainly a new wrinkle, but... Um, we knew the damage. We knew that kind of stuff before that he was questioned. That's all. That had been out there before. Um, so this incident isn't nothing new. Uh, just a new fact well, incident. Well, Herb Street came on. I think he did an interview somewhere. I didn't hear this personally. You may have heard this, but Winston did an interview with Herb Street. Herb Street brought up the crap leg incident, and Winston says he didn't do anything wrong. And walking into a store 
not paying for something is stealing. So what bothers me about Winston Trey is this guy can never admit anything when he's wrong. Um, he walks around with a chip on his shoulder like he's above the law. That's what scares me. And even though you're a Florida State fan, deep down, you have to admit that scares you too. This kid, to me, is capable of anything. If, if you can't admit you're wrong over something, you, you're on ESPN and you say you did nothing wrong and you were charged with stealing or theft, Trey, tell me that doesn't worry you just a little bit. Well, I mean, I'm going to correct you a little bit. He wasn't charged. He was cited just like Nick Marshall. Uh, but two, I've never been a fan of him as a character. I mean, I, I've been I made that pretty clear. Um, unlike you, I don't. I generally don't put these guys up on pedestals very, very well, much. I mean, if Winston got kicked off the team, it would it would suck. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, I'm all for um, rooting for the individual guys who I think deserve it. There's been a lot of good guys at a lot of schools. I mean, Winston definitely is a football player and not a role model. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't put anybody up on a pedestal. I'll call it like I see it. If Winston played for Auburn, I'd be the first one to say, get this thug out of here. It wouldn't even be – I wouldn't even care. If Nick Marshall stole and raped, there would be no doubt in my mind I would want him gone. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even be saying anything. But uh, Lacey in the chat room says, you know, hates him off the football field. But if you're a fan, though, I mean, on the field, you like Winston. He's a good quarterback and everything. But that attitude – and I blame Jimbo for it. We won't, we won't harp on this long, but to tolerate that, it just really irritates me to see that being tolerated out there. And Casher's comments to ESPN the other night was when they asked him about something, he told him to kiss his ass and, and hung up the phone. Just that, that lack of respect, not taking accountability, that, that really bothers me, Trey. And we'll see how all of this impacts us the season for Florida State this year. We'll see. I mean, looking at that schedule, Trey, it's hard to find a loss anywhere on it. Well, I mean, you never know. Off-the-field struggles um, and questions matter on the field. Uh, there's been a lot in a lot of programs this offseason. Certainly, Winston has been – I don't know how it wouldn't be a distraction, but, you know, it's one of those things that people may – the team may rally around him and say, you know, us against the world – uh, or, or it may not. I mean, it could obviously affect their preparation, and they come in distracted and cocky. Uh, and teams don't play well when they get, when they're cocky. So uh, we'll have to see. I mean, there's um, there, the thing is, uh, I think I think it's interesting. You said you know stealing. If we if we banned all football players for stealing, our rosters would be pretty depleted. Um, you know, Cam Newton, Nick Marshall. You know, I, I, can James, James I, can, I, mean, I can I can live with that. I can live with that. I can live with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think that, you know, we, we you, know, you and I have talked about this a lot. Uh, we put these guys out there as, as more than they are. Uh, when they break the law, we seem to justify it um, quite, quite well. Uh, so, you know, if we're going to have accountability, I think we should do it across the board um, in the same fashion. But uh, I, I'd like to see that early. Yeah, I just don't like the, the stealing and the, the lying, the deceit, assault and all the things that go on in college football, but it's you have kids and you have, you know, and Trey's right. People, we we do, when it's your team and the media, oh, all he did was smoke a joint. Who cares? But if it's, it's your enemy in the media, it's like, wow, throw him off the team. Look, they're a bunch of thugs. They just can't run a program. I mean, that's that's how it goes. It's hard when it's your team, the one in the, in the spotlight getting negative attention, especially when they're winning. Now, when your quarterback sucks, 
and they do something wrong, you're the first one to say, get them out of here. But when you're successful, it's, it's hard. It's hard to, to look at your own team, look in the mirror. Yeah. But, Trey, what, what, what's hey, going on in college that, football? Man. I was going right, to say, go you know, interesting enough, you're talking about all the quarterback issues with Jameis Winston. Uh, Florida State just signed three quarterbacks who are four stars. Uh, in fact, uh, one of them was an Auburn, a Florida State lean. Uh, he signed 30 minutes after another guy who was not even signed today, yesterday, this, this week. Um, and so you got to wonder, like, you know, Florida State has three four-star quarterbacks signing for next year's class. Obviously, anything can happen still. But, Tarvin, I mean, does that make me think that, that he's going to be around another year? I don't think so. Yeah, it would have surprised me if he was out another out this season almost. But these all these quarterbacks will not commit or sign the dotted line once it happens. You, right now it's just they're going to sign somewhere before the spaces get taken and they're going to have a home, and then what they're going to do is go out and look and see the best fit for them. So, Trey, good for I me mean, to get three quarterbacks that, that caliber in the same class. It's just not going to happen. And, and even though if you get them, they're going to transfer once they, they, they get beat out. So maybe Auburn can go grab one, but we're set for quarterback for the next – four years right now, so I think we're going to be okay there, but Auburn better go land him a big dual-threat quarterback very, very soon. But, Trey, go back when the – let's go to Major League Baseball real quick, see the uh, trading deadline is coming and gone. Give me, give me what you think of what happened in Oakland, Oakland taking the Boston Red Sox pitcher and giving up their best hitter. Well, I'm shocked, first off, um, that you look at what Oakland got uh, in Leicester and what they gave up in Cespedes, I was shocked at that trade, shocked at, at Leicester's value uh, and that what Oakland was willing to give up. And then you turn that around and you see what David Price brought to the Tigers and what they didn't give up anything. Um, no major league ready player um, who's of the caliber of Cespedes. I mean, Leicester got an all-star uh, this year, um, back in return, and then, uh, you know, Price got nobody. I mean, that's just shocking what Tampa did. Yeah, baseball is such a long season out there that these moves happen. I, I'm surprised that Oakland would give up a hitter like that. Lester's been great. You know, this is the the post-steroid era, it looks like. And I'm, I'm just surprised that you'd give up your hitter like that for Lester. I mean, Lester's a good pitcher, like I said, but giving up a, a young outfielder like that, I was thinking that maybe they'd give some prospects up to get Lester because Boston, you know, not going to make the playoffs this year. I thought, you know, they would keep Cespedes, Trey, and then and then bring Lester in. Could you imagine getting Lester for a couple of future prospects or something and keeping all your, uh, your yeah. outfield intact? Yeah, or why not go out and get Price, I mean, and Price got for nothing. And, Tarvin, here's the thing, too. Sorry, uh, not one single top 50 prospect was traded. This, I mean, so all those big-name pitchers that went, not a single top 50 prospect was traded. Uh, and so, yeah, I think the A's gave up uh, sets for this when they probably could have given up, you know, the number 20 prospect in their organization, or maybe three or four of them for price. So I think, I think they overpaid for Lester when they could have got price much lower. Well, Trey, one thing that concerned me with Detroit, they went out and got price. They didn't need a starting pitcher. I mean, they're, they're stacked at starting pitcher. What they needed was some bullpen help. 
and they didn't do anything to improve that. And you know in the playoffs, once we get down to the nitty-gritty and you're playing in these two-to-one games, how important is that bullpen? That's, that's one thing that hurt them last year, and now it's hurting them this year. What did they do, Trey, to, to improve themselves? Getting another pitcher is nothing to them. They were loaded anyway. Yeah, look, I, mean, I think you're right. They could have used a bullpen guy. Uh, the, the scary thing about the Tigers and uh, the amount of pressure, uh, you know, on the Tigers, they have the last three most valuable players in the American League. Uh, that was already on their team. That's no surprise. Uh, but now they have the last three Cy Young Award winners, and that, that, that's pretty crazy if you think about it. The last three sorry, you know, Cy Young Award winners in the American League are now pitching in the exact same rotation, all still in their prime. Um, and the Tigers, man, they don't win it this year, Tarvin. Um, man, uh, this is this is their time because I mean, with Price, I mean, to just Price your game three starter now, or is he game two, and you put the two righties around him? I mean, is Verlander your game three starter? I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, get some bullpen help, Detroit. That's where it's going to win. Look at Boston last year; they they got a bullpen and they got hot. They they won it all. I mean, they had some decent starting pitching, but you have to be able to shut teams down seventh through the ninth inning, and I think that's where Detroit's going to fail. Uh, I really do. And, Trey, I just want to touch on baseball a minute. Now let's head into our college football segment where we're going to talk about Ole Miss Rebels out of the SEC and Notre Dame out of no conference because they don't want to play in a conference because they'd have to give up money right now. So Notre Dame and Ole Miss, we're going to start out with Ole Miss, Trey. This is a team that seems – since Hugh Freeze has gotten there, they've been a little overhyped. You know, some good recruiting classes and everything, but at the end of the day, they're the same team that we had last year. And I just want your thoughts on maybe just an overview of Ole Miss. I look at that schedule. It's tough. I mean, it's it's very tough. Do they have any shot whatsoever of, of winning the SEC West? No. No, they don't. I mean, here's the thing. They have Boise State at a conference, which I think is legitimate. I, I like that matchup. Uh, I think actually Boise could win. I think Ole Miss will win that game. Uh, and then they really have nothing until they play Alabama. They're going to be so hyped, undefeated, when it comes to Saturday, October 4th. They may even be in the top ten. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be insane how overranked they will be come that game. And it will be a destruction. I mean, they'll they'll play they'll play close like they did last year for a little bit of time, but it'll be the exact same outcome. And, and then they're they're probably going to lose the next week too. And heck, Tarvin, they may lose like four or five games. Now it's going to be that bad for Ole Miss. I just don't see them being a legitimate contender. <laughs> well, I look at Ole Miss and and people try to compare them to Auburn trade with the way they do offense, but it's nothing close. Bo Wallace is not a running quarterback. He's got a good arm. He can throw. But I'll, I always look at the running game of a team. Like Auburn has big running backs that that are fast, big offensive line. You look at Ole Miss, Jalen. I think his name's Jalen Walton. He's five eight, one sixty six. I'm sorry, that's not going to be enough to to get you through an SEC schedule. I'm sorry. I mean, I look all around. They have some good playmakers. They have good receivers. But at the end of the day, they can't run the ball. And when they went into Tuscaloosa last year. With a with a great record and a lot of hype, they they just got shut out twenty five to nothing because they couldn't run the ball on fourth and two. Trey, they they went for it and tried to throw it. That's not what you're going to do against an Alabama team. But here we are this year, another team that's projected in the top twenty five. That I don't think they're a top twenty five team. I would be more inclined to put Mississippi State in the top twenty five. 
before I went Ole Miss. But like you said, once they get to Alabama, they should be 4-0 going into that game, and that's a game in Oxford. And then they turn around and go to College Station. They're home against Tennessee at Baton Rouge. They play Auburn. They go to Arkansas, and then they host the Egg Bowl against Mississippi State. Trey, we can start going through this schedule, but you have them 4-0 heading into Alabama? Yeah, I got them 4-0 heading into Alabama. I I think the Boise game's a toss-up, but uh, I think Ole Miss is a little more talented right now. Yeah, I do too. And going into Alabama, that could be a game, Trey, that they could win because it's at home. And Alabama is still kind of early in the season. They're trying to find a quarterback. They're trying to shore up some defenses, defensive issues. So you're not giving Ole Miss a chance to go in here and beat Alabama, you say. No, I, I give it no shot. Wow. That's tough. I'm gonna mm, I'm 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 gonna say that's gonna be a close one. I'm not saying Ole Miss is gonna beat them, but when you're when you're confident, you know, and you you're early in the season anything can happen. If this was later in the season, I'm gonna say Alabama wins, but it's gonna be a close game. And then that takes us to Texas A and M on the road. Now this is a game that last year Trey was forty one to thirty eight in Oxford. No Johnny Manziel, no Evans. No big offensive line. What do you what do you have in this game? I think A&M, I think A&M wins. They're going to have a freshman quarterback. Uh, more than likely, they have a quarterback battle going on. Uh, I, I think A&M is is pretty talented. Uh, they have a lot of guys who are young. Um, they haven't held home field too great recently, but I think they hold it for for here. I just don't think Ole Miss is. I think they're going to get beat up against Alabama. Yeah, I think so many people were in love with Johnny Manziel and that they forgot to really – they didn't realize that A&M's been stacked in recruiting the last several years. They've, they've done a great job in, in filling the cupboard back up. Johnny Manziel was a great player, but he was one man, and these guys are loaded. I mean, Texas A&M's going to be the team. I give them next year, Texas A&M's going to be probably the team going to win the SEC West. But in this game, Trey, I'm going to go with Ole Miss just because of the quarterback. You have a senior quarterback, Bo Wallace, and you have a freshman in A&M. I think at the end of the day, Ole Miss against that Texas A&M defense. I mean, you can you – can what is that, hot butter and a knife? That's what it's going to look like. And I think Ole Miss gets it done. So there's, there's one loss so far. You have them two. And then they return home October 18th, a tricky game against Tennessee. After you play Alabama and A&M, now you come home, you think you can relax. And remember, Trey, this game's in between A&M and LSU. Yeah, I mean, Tarvin, I, I don't think, um, honestly, they're going to lose four in a row. I mean, last year they, they won a game you know, in the middle of that stretch. So I think, I think they beat Tennessee, um, but it's going to be super close. I mean, Razor thin. Yeah, that game's at home. I'm going to go with Ole Miss. At LSU, October 25th on my birthday. Can Ole Miss go into Baton Rouge? Remember, no Zach Mettenberger, no Hill, a lot of question marks with this LSU team. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, they play LSU well. Um, they seem to match up. They seem to have, you know, whatever you want to call it. I, I think they're going to play LSU well. I mean, they usually play them well at home. On the road, it's kind of a different story. So I think LSU is going to get them this, this year. It'll be close for a while. Yeah, going into Baton Rouge, I don't care who you are, what they have. It's a tough place to go. I have LSU winning that game. 
Then the next week, Trey, they come back and they host Auburn. Good news if you're an Auburn fan, they just went through Bama, A&M, Tennessee, and LSU. Now you have Auburn coming in. What do you think about this game? Well, I mean, terrible time for, for there to be any kind of upset considerations for them. Uh, I just think it's too too brutal of a time going through that schedule. Uh, Auburn has, is going to be a, a way more talented at this point. Um, obviously a much better quarterback situation. You know, when you, I look at, you know, talent on the field, uh, Auburn's got it. I, I think the quarterback position, uh, and I think Ole Miss is just going to lose again. I think, you know, this is going to be one of those times where they're probably going to be, what, number 10, number 9 against Alabama, and I think by the time they lose this one, Carvin, they're number 30, 35. Yeah, I like Auburn in this one pretty big. I mean, I think Vegas has a seven-point spread on it. When I say I don't mean big like a blowout, I mean, it's going to be a game where I think Auburn will control it because of the defensive line. And I think it'll, just like last year, they'll give Ole Miss a lot of problems up front. And that's where the game's won. This time of the season, that's where it's going to be especially won. And I think if Auburn's healthy, they shouldn't have any problems because Ole Miss, Trey, could be beat up big time in this game. I mean, by this time in the season, November is not a good time to play. And then Presbyterian comes in. I think I'll give them that one. And then this could be an interesting uh, game right here. Going to Arkansas, November 22nd. How how much better is Arkansas going to be at this time than the first game they play against Auburn? Hey, they're going to be better. Uh, Arkansas isn't going to be as bad as they were last year, uh, but they're not going to be um, – <laughs> they're not really going to be all that competitive either uh, at the same time. But, Carver, let me ask you this. Presbyterian strikes you as a high school team? Because I looked at the schedule, I thought that was a typo. I think it is a high school team, isn't it? I think you get one high school team if you play in the SEC. Yeah, I was like, I I just, Presbyterian, man, I honestly think that's a high school. Should that game even be allowed on the schedule, honestly? No. (laughs) I'm telling you, I, 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 I don't I don't even know if they actually are a college team. I, I think that's made up. That's, that's really like one of the coaches' son's high school football team in the scrimmage. That game just – I'm shocked that that's a, that's a real school. Yeah, Pres- where's Presbyterian in South Carolina or something? Presbyterian? I don't know, but their name is the Blue Hose. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the what? The Blue Hose. Yeah, I think H-O-S-E. I don't even know what that is. Uh, is that supposed to be like a blue rope or something? I don't even know. Well, I'm going to try to do some research on this right quick to see about Presbyterian. Presbyterian football hose. And this is, I mean, I understand the Appalachian states and something, but if you play a team that I've never really heard of or know about, I didn't even know their name was hose or where they're from, that's when you know that that game shouldn't be on your schedule. Right, Trey? Yeah, it's where I become a Presbyterian fan because if you're going to play that game, I don't care who you are. i got to root it the other way. I mean, man, I just when you when you said we're going to do Old Mass, and I did not know this game was on the calendar. I looked at it, and I thought it was like, man. Uh, I'll tell you, I, Presbyterian, <laughs> Trey, made one bowl game. They, they made a bowl game back in 1959. Wow. Um, they beat they in the Tangerine Bowl. They lost to Middle Tennessee, twenty-one to twelve. So their all-time bowl record is zero and one. So, wow. 
They were in South Carolina, too, so I was right. So how did I know they were in South Carolina? That's what scares me. I just guessed. (laughs) That's crazy. They have their their stadium seats, 6,500 people, and it's on grass. So that's a good, you know, maybe Ole Miss can do a home-and-home, you know. Go to Presbyterian one day with that, with exactly. that big crowd. Maybe Ole Miss can go to Presbyterian and play in front of that large home home crowd. Lacey said it sounded like a school saving schedule. Saban's going to be intrigued by this when he looks at that schedule. He's going to bring Presbyterian into the to the Bible Belt and, and and show them a good time. Oh. Well, that, I have Presbyterian a, I have on the SEC circuit after this. <laughs> so I have them going losing one. Two, three, so far, three games. I don't think they lose to Arkansas, but it could be close. So that that ends up with the Egg Bowl against Mississippi State, Trey. They lost last year 17-10. to 10. I think they're going to lose again to Mississippi State in this game. Yeah, I got them winning the Egg Bowl, and I got them four losses. So I got them four losses, but they win the Egg Bowl. So, you know. I have them. I have them four losses as well. So it doesn't matter how they get there, as long as they don't beat Auburn, I'll be happy. Well, that that takes us on. But the bottom line is what we talked about. They're not going to contend for a West. A lot of people have them, you know, a, a a dark horse really coming out. But I see Mississippi State maybe being more of a dark horse in a way with Prescott. I like that kid. He's a good quarterback. I'm not real sold on Bo Wallace in that running game and the defense of Ole Miss, but we'll see. Hugh Freeze was accused of cheating by uh, Bo Pelini, Trey, so I'm sure that may fire him up. Maybe he'll he'll coach better this year. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, maybe. All right, that takes us to a team that played for a national championship two years ago against Alabama. They lost their quarterback and and Golson's back, Trey, this year. And the schedule, you know, everybody talks about Notre Dame's tough schedule, but if you look at it, is it really that tough, Trey? Well, I mean, I think it, it is tough. Um, you know, I mean, we'll see how, how relatively tough it is. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that uh, you know, a lot of teams on that schedule could be good and they, and they may not be. Well, we start out with Rice. You know, Golson's going to take care of that one. They're going to win that one. But the second game against Michigan, I think Brady Hoke could be in some hot, hot water. He loses this game this early in the season. I have Notre Dame beating Michigan. Easy, Trey. I mean, a couple touchdowns in this one. I don't know what to make of Michigan this year. Um, you know, Michigan's a team I try to, you know, I try to be knowledgeable on, but I don't. I don't know what they're going to do this year. If they're going to be improved, I just see a lot of problems in Michigan. I agree with you. I'm going to get Notre Dame as well. All right, I'm going to move on real quick. Um, I think they play Navy. We're not going to talk about a bye week at Syracuse. No game there. But October fourth, Stanford comes into town. You know, you can't say out of conference schedule, but if you look at this schedule, they play Stanford, Florida State. USC and Louisville, I'm not looking at. They played three tough games in this schedule. I'm sorry, Michigan, you're not tough. Syracuse, but Stanford at home, Trey, I'm like Notre Dame at home. Uh, call me crazy. Call me smoking the, the Notre Dame weed. I don't know, but I like Notre Dame to win this game October 4th. 
and to put Stanford down. I'm, I'm not big on Stanford. I haven't been in a while. But Notre Dame at home with Golson, he makes them a totally different offense. He does. And Notre Dame actually plays very well at home. Uh, let's not discredit that. Um, I just think that Stanford's on a different level. I'm going to give Stanford an edge. It's going to be a super close game. Uh, but I give them their first loss to Stanford. Okay. I have them 5-0 and at this point. You have them 4-1. The next week they play North Carolina and South Bend. I think they win that one, which is going to set up whether they lose the Stanford game or not, Trey. A one-loss Notre Dame team going to Tallahassee, an undefeated team probably at this time, October 18th. That's a, that's a college game day game right there probably. Florida State in Tallahassee, I think they will beat Notre Dame by two or three touchdowns. Easy. Yeah, and, you know, I'm going to not so fast you as well on the game before that, North Carolina. I think they're going to be looking ahead a lot to Florida State. you got to remember Notre Dame and Florida State are rivals, even though they don't play each other very often, just based, fast, you know, based on old sort of grudges from the national championship, 93, and, you know, the Charlie Ward era. I mean, these two teams really don't like each other. Uh, and so I think North Carolina is going to have a shot to beat them the week before. I'm going to say that they, they hold on. Uh, based on, I think, Golson, I think you're right. He is a much better quarterback than they've had. I think North Carolina's going to give them all they want, and then Florida State's going to put them to bed. All right. Florida State wins a bye week, another cupcake, November 8th at Arizona State. Now, this could be the game, Notre Dame. I mean, going on the road in the Pac-12, probably a night game, Trey, a 10 o'clock game. I have Arizona State beating the Irish here, giving them their second loss of the season. And you know it's hard to go to to Tempe and play a game. Yeah, and especially this. I'm guessing it is maybe a night game as well in November. I, I think I agree with you, man. I think I don't know what else to say other than uh, I think you're spot on. Arizona State Sun Devils. Yeah, that's the second loss I have. You have them. This is their third loss. They play Northwestern at home. I'm going to give them that one. They play Louisville at home. I, I'm not ready to give Louisville that kind of respect yet, but the last game against Southern Cal, team with a new coach, a team that won 10 games last year, trying to, with all these sanctions of three coaches, Trey, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Southern Cal in this game, which is going to give them four losses on the season, and that's not a, that's not good for Notre Dame and their standard with Golson back. I have a lot of respect for Brian Kelly, and new defensive coordinator Brian Van Gorder. Remember, he was at Auburn the year Chiswick let it all fall apart. It wasn't his fault. He's a great defensive coordinator, by the way. It wasn't his fault Auburn went 3-9. and nine. But I just don't think this Notre Dame team's ready this year. But I think it's they're getting close. But I still don't like that defense. Yeah, I agree. I think Louisville is going to be really improved this year. Uh, they're probably a year away. Um, but I think Louisville is going to sneak up on somebody, whether it's Florida State, Notre Dame. They're going to beat somebody that shocks us. Um, I'm not going to pull the trigger on that one either. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I think USC gets them. I, I really do. I think USC is playing for basically their season by that point because they're going to have a, a good number of losses as well. This is going to mean an awful lot to USC at home. Well, Trey, I'm going to bring on the Notre Dame slash Auburn fan or Auburn slash Notre Dame fan, Quinn Thomas. Quinn, man, it's been a long time. How's everything going? It's going pretty good. So but what do you think of our predictions here? I think you guys are pretty spot on. I see 
I see anywhere from nine to eleven wins. I see them for sure losing at Florida State, but then I see every other game they could win. Definitely. That's I mean, really what do you think of Brian Van thing. Gorder coming? What do you think of Brian Van Gorder coaching that defense? I really don't. I think he could do all right from his previous record at other schools before he went to Auburn. So I'll just have to see. I mean, defensive line, I'm, I'm not sure how the defensive line will do considering they lost Lewis Nix and then they, lo- they lost uh, Stefan to it too. So I'm not sure how they'll do. From Brian Kelly, he said uh, offense, he said uh, he just came out and said this was, this was his best off season over at Notre Dame. And he was saying about, and I guess there's pretty good hype about the offense at the skill position. So, I mean, I think the offense will do fine. I'm not sure about the defense, though. Well, I mean, it's all about defense, but I look at that schedule, Quinn, and, you know, Notre Dame's one of the top teams with a schedule. I look at it, there's there's like Arizona State, Southern Cal, Florida State, and Stanford. To me, that's four games that that are in question. If they can win two of those, you have a 10-win team. How many games do they play? Is it? 12 or 13 since they're not in the conference. They play 12. Okay, yeah, 12 games there. And that's going to hurt them, Quinn, if, they, if they're if they close, if they're on the bubble with the selection committee. The fact that they do not belong to a conference, I think it's going to really hurt them in the I long th- run. I, I think it could in a way, and I think it couldn't in a way. I think <laughs> – I mean, this may sound unfair, but I think the the committee, if Notre Dame has, let's say, a year like they did in 2012 where they barely get by their schedule somehow, and let's just say it's not this year but in the upcoming years and they barely beat teams and they get through 12-0, and I think based on their name and their history alone would get them in a 14 playoff. And I think that's the way they feel right now, and that's why they won't jump into a conference. And if they do jump into a conference, I think it'll be the Big Ten. I don't think they would jump into the ACC. Well, Trey, um, Trey, I want to ask you this. Notre Dame, they go undefeated, and you have, a say, a one-loss Alabama team or a one-loss Auburn team didn't make the SEC championship game. Just say Auburn with the schedule, the second toughest conference, or second toughest schedule, do you think they would get in over Notre Dame? Well, if Notre Dame goes undefeated, they're going to have beaten the number one team in the country in Florida State. So they're going to, they're going to get in. Um, based on that win, um, there's going to be a, a signal sort of change for them. Then if they, you know, Stanford and Arizona State are up in the top Pac-12, I mean, it's going to be impossible at that point. I mean, it's right now yeah. undefeated Notre Dame. I mean, a one-loss Notre Dame is the tricky part because if they go in, they run the table, and let's say Arizona State and, Pac- and, and Stanford are, are making no, you know noise in the Pac-12, but they lose to Florida State, let's just say it's nasty, um, then what do you do with Notre Dame? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying in future years. I don't think 
I think that Florida State game is for sure going to be a loss. I think it'll be closer than most people think. I think they'll keep it within 14 points, but I don't think they'll go into Tallahassee and win. But I'll tell you this, guys. You can, you've seen, we see year after year, how a quarterback, a dynamic quarterback, can come in and just change a team and, and make it dynamic. Golson's that kind of quarterback. You saw what he did in 2012 with a year, Quinn, being off, being suspended or whatnot, from, coming back from being what able to mature heard. and develop. Sorry, Quinn, I'm yeah, talking from, to these, uh, just, just to see him, okay. him come in there, just to see him develop mentally, maturity-wise. I mean, how big was that for a year to be sitting out, to be able to – to let everything soak in, to work out, and to come back and have a chance. I mean, I see Notre Dame could win every game if he plays the way better than he did in 2012, the way he should play. Yeah. From yeah, from what I heard is he's even better than he was in 2012. From what I heard from that year he got to work, I heard he's, yeah. he's even well, better. And then they have a good we'll backup, too, if anything goes to happen. If Malik's out, he's supposed to be pretty good. Well, thanks, Quinn, for the call. We'll see. Trey, Notre Dame is a team that I think everybody will have their eyes on this season. Well, yeah, because Notre Dame is kind of an X factor um, because of they play sort of throughout the country and throughout conferences. Uh, they get a lot of attention, so we'll have to see. I, I really think that we're going to have an interesting debate if Notre Dame is one loss and the loss is to Florida State. And it's going to be real intriguing what the selection committee does with the Notre Dame team, and it's really going to be dependent on the records of the teams they play. I mean, if Arizona State, Stanford uh, are terrible, then I don't think a one-loss Notre Dame team gets in. Uh, but if they're they're competing in the Pac-12, man, it's going to be a real a real dogfight of a debate. Yeah, I totally agree, and we'll see. We'll start our college breakdown even more Wednesday night. Once I've had more time to prepare, I've been out of town all weekend. Give out, tired. We're gonna cut the show now. We'll go about an hour, and uh, we'll come back Wednesday night and give you a full show. But tonight, we've got a lot of work to do and some catch-up time. So Trey, have a good week. Uh, we'll see you Wednesday night at eight thirty. Thanks everybody for listening. And make sure you catch us 8.30 p.m. Eastern Wednesday and Sundays here on blogtalkradio.com. Have a great week, guys.